0: Where we have been declaring each week that what our weary world needs the most in this season and every season is the thrill of hope. And we have a present and we have an eternal hope in the person of Jesus Christ, and we are called to live, to walk in that hope. And let me just say from the beginning that we are not here tonight to pay homage to a calorically challenged um, individual in a red suit. We are not here tonight celebrating or rejoicing in or hoping in two events. We are here tonight declaring that Jesus is the hope of the world, and he was the hope of the world at his first coming, and he is still the hope of the world. In the words of C.S. Lewis, Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. Look for Christ, and you will find him. And with him, you will find everything else. Don't miss Jesus this season. Tonight so far, we have heard scripture after scripture declaring his coming. We have sung together about his coming. For the next few minutes, I want us to rejoice together in the thrill of hope that his coming brought to Mary and still brings to us. And what we know is that the virgin birth is a reminder that our salvation, although it came through humanity, is totally of God. It comes from him. So of all the scriptures we read tonight, what we didn't read was a scripture where Mary, after finding out from the angel that she would be pregnant of the Holy Spirit, she goes to Elizabeth, who had also found out she was going to be pregnant miraculously and they have a conversation. So in Luke 1, it says this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste in the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greetings came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and listening to the words of of Mary, I'm reminded of the song we heard a few minutes ago, Breath of Heaven, where it says, Breath of Heaven, hold me together. And some of us in this room tonight, God, are listening online. That's our cry in this moment. There's so much in our lives that are going on, and our cry is, God, hold us together. And, Lord, you have promised that you will hold us together. You will keep us from unraveling, as your word Says So tonight we pray that you would speak to us in this time by your word, through your spirit, as we believe you already have been. And Lord, may there be a thrill of hope in every heart and life and soul tonight. As we come to see again and again, Lord, afresh and anew what we have in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what is interesting. For 400 years, so when the last book of the Old Testament was written, all the way to the events of the New Testament, there were 400 years where there was no word from God. There had been no prophetic revelations, meaning no prophets, no angels coming to the scene, no miracles, nothing but silence. So how does God choose to break 400 years of silence? Well, he chooses to break that silence by sending the angel Gabriel to Jerusalem first to talk to an old priest by the name of Zechariah about a miraculous baby who would be John the Baptist. And then six months later, Gabriel was sent to a virgin in Nazareth to announce a more miraculous baby, the savior of the world. But when the angel appears to Mary, follow with me here, Mary's life, in that moment, was turned upside down. She is a young, unmarried virgin who has been chosen by God to miraculously conceive and to give birth to the Savior of the world. And scholars say that she would have been anywhere from 13 years of age to 17, but most scholars believe that she was closer to 13 years old. But just imagine This picture, of she was betrothed, that means engaged, but in Jewish life it was more of a binding contract, although there was no consummation of that. But Mary is, in our world, she's busy planning her wedding. She's practicing signing her last name. She's naming all the kids um, that they are going to have. And then an angel shows up and messes it all up and tells her, I know that you're planning a wedding but God's planning to change the world. You, a virgin, are going to have a baby because nothing is impossible with God. And at that point, these statements were made. Mary's life is basically ruined. Her reputation is ruined. A teenage girl in that culture, pregnant out of wedlock, was a serious scandal she would forever be seen as damaged goods and then to make things worse what we don't often think of is that the angel would not tell Joseph until several months later so when all of this is happening and when when Mary is making these declarations about her god the man who is she, she is betrothed to is basically turning his back on her and he is about to divorce her Yet as we heard in our readings tonight, Mary believed God. Martin Luther said there are three miracles of the nativity. First, that God became man. Second, that a virgin conceived. And third, that Mary believed. That she would believe this. That she would believe and say, God, whatever you want, your will be Done. So there are two realities tonight that bring a thrill of hope that I want to put before us. And the first is this. The first reality that brings a thrill of hope to us is the blessings of God. The blessings of God. The word blessed gets thrown around in a lot of Christian circles. For many, it means that you're receiving earthly or material blessings. Um, Others, you'll, you'll, you'll ask Christians, hey, how are you doing? And they'll say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oftentimes, what that means is things are going their way. It's another way of saying they're lucky, as if to say, every time I drive by Krispy Kreme, the hot now sign is on. I'm blessed and highly favored. Every time I go to the mall, I pray and ask God to give me a parking place, and there's always one at the front. Who cares that it's handicapped? But it's always there for me. And you have this thought of everything's going my way. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Of course, we always say it when people sneeze. Though no one understands why. You know, of all the things that happen to me, sneezing is not the the one time where I feel I need most blessed. You know, it's just not that moment. Now, some people say the tradition of saying bless you goes all the way back to um, a thought that your heart stops when you sneeze. So saying God bless you really means I'm hoping and praying that your heart will start back up. Others say that tradition started because in the Middle Ages, people believed that sneezing was expelling a demon from you. So saying, God bless you, kept the demon from coming back in you. Still, others say that if you sneeze and keep your eyes open, your eyeballs will fly out of your socket. So saying, God bless you, means good job for not letting that happen to you. But it is most likely that saying, God bless you, goes all the way back to the days of the Black Death Plague. When when someone sneezed, you immediately said, God bless you, so that they did not develop the black plague. Say all that to say, that's not where we're going tonight. We're going somewhere different tonight. Look in verses 42 and 43, you see on the screen, Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women to marry, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come? And in verse 45, Elizabeth again says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then in verse 48, Mary says, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Four times in three verses, Mary is called blessed. Yet let's just be honest. If you were looking at Mary based on the externals that we just said previously, would you have called her blessed? Her betrothed is turning away from her. Her family looks in shame upon her. She has people looking with um, just, just guilt upon her. Yet being blessed and highly favored does not mean that you live a life without suffering or without uncomfortable circumstances. Being blessed and highly favored means you have the presence of God and you have the promises of God in every circumstance. In every circumstance, I have his presence and I have his promises. And not only was Mary blessed because the task that was given to her, I mean, her womb literally became the Holy of Holies for the Son of God. I mean, just imagine that. But also, she was blessed because blessings would come to us because of the Son born to her. So this is the great New Testament truth that in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, the blessings of God come into our lives and change everything. Do you know that blessing? Oh, I pray that you do, which leads us to the second reality, because we can't have the first reality without the second, which is the salvation of God. The salvation of God. So oftentimes, think about this. When you hit a container filled with water, what spills out? Okay, so whatever is in the container, when you bump it, it's going to spill out. And what we read And what we just heard from Mary is what was inside Mary. When she is bumped up against by the angel of the Lord and she receives the most shocking news she had ever heard, this is what comes out of her. And it's truly magnificent because the song of Mary, verses 46 all the way through verse 55, contains 15 Old Testament quotations, meaning that if she's 13 years old, when she gets this Angel comes and just completely takes her away from anything that she had ever thought. What comes out of her? The word of God. The word of God pours forth. What comforted Mary in this time was God's word. And Mary says in verse 46, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord. It comes from the psalm. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked in the humble estate of his servant. She goes on to say, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary here is rejoicing in the salvation of God, even calling God her Savior. Now let me ask a question tonight. Who needs a Savior? So, of course, the overall answer is, of course, we do. But even in a greater sense, who needs a Savior? Sinners do. Sinners need a Savior. The Bible says all have sinned. A Savior is only good to somebody who needs saving. That's what a Savior is and what a Savior does. A Savior comes and does what the person who needs saving can't do. So for Mary to say God is my Savior denotes that she has a need. She recognizes here that she has a need for salvation. Now, there are some who have taken Mary and put her in a position where the word of God never puts her. Some say Mary was perfect and she never sinned, although the Bible would never say that. Others say Mary is now the co-redemptionist with Christ. So she helps bring redemption upon us, although the Bible says there is only one mediator between us, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, the, the picture is this. And let me say, if you grew up in a a Catholic standpoint, if you want to honor Mary, let me tell you how you do it. Worship the God she did. And call upon the Savior that she called upon. That is how we best honor her. For let me say this, this world in which we live is dark. But what prevents us as children of God from living in despair is the fact that our Savior has come to us. In Jesus' birth, God delivered to us so much more than a king. He delivered to us Himself. He came to us. Christmas commemorates that moment, that very moment when God entered our messy, worrisome, frustrating, tired sinful story and he came in flesh and blood to rescue you and me to be the savior that we need and as we say all the time he is still the only savior of sinners in the world and God does not save us because of what we have done or what we do think about this I read this this week and I read it three different places and there's no author on it so from now on this comes from me So only a phony God would be pleased with our self-righteousness. Only a sadistic God would be satisfied with sacrifices. Only an insecure God would take pleasure in our pain. Only a self-centered God would sell salvation to the highest bidder. Yet only a holy, sovereign, and gracious God would step out of eternity into time and do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Hallelujah, what a God. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And Let me end tonight with these words, showing the importance of Christ coming to us and for us and the thrill of hope that has come to us in his coming. And I ended last year's Christmas Eve with this. I'm going to end it again. Rebellion raised its ugly head and grace came down. Darkness covered creation's light, and grace came down. Thorns and disease infected, and grace came down. People lied, cheated, and stole, and grace came down. Desires led astray, and grace came down. Image bearers murdered their own, and grace came down. Pride's delusion ensnared, and grace came down. Idols abounded and deceived, and grace came down. The whole earth groaned, and grace came down. Tears replaced smiles, and grace came down. Hope turned to fear, and grace came down. Danger lurked in every single heart, and grace came down. Morality was shattered and grace came down. Creatures separated from their creator and grace came down. People cried, God wept, and grace came down in the person in the birth of the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Grace has come down to us. And oh, the thrill of hope that is continually ours. The thrill of hope that can be ours. The weary world rejoices because grace has come down. He is here. But may we never, ever, ever forget why he came. He was born to die. He lived to die. He laid his life down so that he could pick his life up again. So I want to close tonight This time, by rejoicing in and by celebrating in the one who came down in order to die for us, to be our Savior, to give hope to us. And we're going to celebrate the ordinance of communion, celebrating the one whose body was broken, whose blood was shed. And what we're about to celebrate, we do in remembrance of Jesus, remembering why he came his body, his blood for us. So we ask if you have the cup, if you go ahead and peel off that top layer with the bread and go ahead and get the piece of bread and put it in your hand, please. In John 6, 58, Jesus said, This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever eats this bread, meaning whoever looks upon Christ in faith, will live forever. Now, if you can take the cup and pull off that next piece with the juice. If we think about the cup. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. You can repeat after me. His body His blood blood for us. For For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we (laughs) proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And good news for us, he is coming. He is coming. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is if you can go ahead, we're going to call the band forward, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me and to go ahead and get your lights out. And we're going to ask you to light them. And in just a second, I'm going to pray, and we're going to start singing the song Silent Night. And what I would ask you to do, if you are able, just to kind of not just bring it down here, but if you can just raise it up a little bit to let that light fill the room in this moment. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the thrill of hope that is ours because of Jesus. This is indeed a weary world. We are indeed, God, apart from you, a weary people. As your word tells us in Ephesians 2, without you, Jesus, we have no hope. We have no hope in this life. But Jesus, you are our hope. In fact, Romans 5 says you have poured your love, your hope, into our hearts by the Spirit. We have that hope. Lord, just remind us tonight of the salvation that we have in you that if Mary, the blessed one, the favored one, if she needed a Savior, oh we need a Savior and Jesus you are it and through having a Savior we have the blessings which isn't the stuff it's not about the gifts, it's about we have your presence God with us forever and we have your promises that never fail tonight I pray for anyone in this room as we said from the beginning that that song said that felt like Mary felt like they're falling apart and maybe they would just cry out to you in this moment from their hearts God hold me together hold me help me give me the hope that can only come from you Lord just finish this time together Lord but remind us as we're holding these lights Jesus that you are the light of the world we walk in you Lord we'll never walk in darkness and Jesus you also said that we are the light of the world and that we can display the good works that you do in us so that people would see those good works they would glorify you thank you Jesus in your name we pray